to the Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now your host, Robert Yanis Jr. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. On this show, we democratize the film criticism conversation by bringing on fans and critics alike to dig into their personal connection to a current or classic release. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcatchers. Also drop us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts if you can. And this episode, I am honored to welcome to the show, JC from Screen Fix. Welcome That's to the- me. That is you. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. <laughs> Thank you for letting me on this show, Crooked Table, because I'm a little crooked, like a criminal. Is that what this? Wait, that's what the show is, right? Like, sure, you know, sure. Like admitting criminal acts. <laughs> this is not. Crooked it's not admissible in, in court. Uh, so. uh, perfect. Yeah, I mean, it's all hearsay. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's off the record. Just happens to be available to the entire uh, internet. So you know. Well, I'm gonna lay it. I'm gonna lay all my crooked deeds out on this table. <laughs> so um, we obviously had the lady Juan from your podcast on here a few months back to talk about La La Land. So tell yes. people a little bit about Screen Fix if they haven't, uh, for some reason, haven't listened to, uh, haven't caught the show or my my guest appearances on it or anything. Uh, ah. Yeah, a little intro. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I am host of a podcast called Screen Fix, and yes, uh, the co-host that carries the show was on Crooked Table. She did La La Land. Her name is Lady Wan. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter at Lady Wan. Um, and uh, our show is one where uh, the two of us and a guest, usually from another podcast, a film podcast, uh, you know, some of the the titans, the giants of podcasting, like Robert Yanis Jr. Right. Thank you. Appreciate uh, it. Have been on uh, this podcast, gracing this podcast, uh, really. Uh, and um, we talk a recent film. Uh, Robert Yanis Jr., you helped us fix. We don't talk a recent. We fix a recent film. We talk about it too, but... The whole point of the show is we fix a film. You know, we just kind of, you know, it's the same as when you see a movie with friends and then afterwards you're getting your pizza or you're, you're having your beer and you're like, you know what I would have done maybe? That's what the whole show is. I mean, it's not that loose. There's a structure to it, but yeah. And uh, Robert, uh, what did you help us fix? Well, I was on uh, in October of last year to talk about Joker, but you mm-hmm. weren't on that episode. So I, I was not. It was the only the second episode out of the almost 100 that I was not in. I didn't mean to intimidate you away from your own show, so apologies for that. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I, I was like, well, he hosts better. I'm just, just going to sit. He's too crooked. He's too crooked. Not, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to sit this one out. Plus, he's from one. some tape. He's from some podcast about crooked things. I'm just not. I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> I'll end up in a, in a ditch. <laughs> Perfect fit for Joker, though, as it turns yes, out. Um, and then more recently, The Old Guard, uh, yep. the Netflix movie, which was a lot of fun to talk about, actually. Yes, The Old Guard. You are on that episode. You make that episode with your good sense of humor and your awesome fixes for that one, making the movie better. And uh, so that is basically the premise of Screen Fix. Uh, check us out, uh, screenfixpod.com. And uh, we're available on. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, you know, everywhere podcasts are. And check us out. You might like it. It's goofy. 
<laughs> you might like it. It's goofy. That's the tagline for the show. <laughs> you might like it. It's goofy. So yes. uh, obviously this has been a, a kind of a year unlike any other. So how is it? I'm just Ooh. curious as another, you know, fellow movie podcaster, uh-huh. how has it been trying to talk about movies without like that much, like as much original content? Has it been easier or harder to pick movies to fix? My, my, you just lob that softball up. It's been <laughs> awful. For us, I mean, at least with Crooked Table, you guys can talk about old movies and this and that. Our 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 whole thing was fixing like the recent big movie that came out. So right. we have been, it's been awful, and we've had to, uh, you know, uh, uh, stoop stoop to streaming services, Netflix, Amazon. It's been it's been really sad, and terrible. I mean, we might even do a uh, a. Uh, uh, what's that one that's out right now? Uh, Pill Power or what? Project Power. Project Power, we, yeah. We, we we might even do that. <laughs> it's, re- it's really sad times, but no. So during COVID, yeah, we've had to go with whatever the hot streaming movie was. So uh, early on, it was... Uh, Oh, oh, duh. Um, Extraction was the first one. We ah, did. there you go. The Chris, you know, the Chris Hemsworth action movie. Then we did the other big one that came out, um, uh, King of Staten Island. We did, and then uh, the Old Guard. And now we might do uh, Pill Popper, Pill Popper superheroes uh, projects. So we might do that one, and uh, then hopefully we're back to new stuff with New Mutants, which is so lucky with its release date, uh, low stakes, and no competition. That's exactly what New Mutants needs. And uh, when it comes out, I think since it's been in development hell for years and years and years, the thing was finished like five years ago. Uh, Macy Williams was like, who knows what season of Game of Thrones still still a child when she's making yeah. this movie. She was like seven uh, when they made it's the movie. Not, she was like, yes. She was just she was out of diapers. She was getting into pull-ups. <laughs> and uh, you know, she made this movie. And uh but yeah, that's probably gonna be uh the one. And I'm sure there's gonna be plenty to fix. Yeah, and I love, you know, right before we started recording, we were talking about New Mutants. I love your perspective on that because my my mindset is this is the movie that people they're asking people to put their lives on the line for. And yours is, well, no one else will watch it otherwise. So this is the perfect place to <laughs> yeah. throw it out there. It's, it's, it's either this yeah. or like the doldrums of January when yes. nobody's going to the movies anyway. Exactly. So it's just so low, low stakes. Like uh, no studio wanted to release this thing anyway. Like I read that part of the stipulation of Fox selling, you know, it's, you know, properties to disney was that any film that was already finished had to have a theatrical release so that's why you haven't seen this movie on any streaming services otherwise it absolutely would have gone to one so they have to put it out in theaters why not put it out with no no competition at all you know uh low stakes and see if anybody actually goes and sees this thing that's the only way they're going to make anything off of it and also satisfy their contractual obligations to have these mutants on screen. Right. And if you're a podcast that I don't know, specializes in fixing severely flawed movies. Perfect. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. perfect. It's I'm like, licking my chops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going in with my double length episode. Yeah. Going in with my, my Twizzlers and my, and my, uh, my notepad. Just gonna start scribbling down. Adamantium claws ready to go. Like, all right, new mutants, bring it on, Bob. Yeah, and an, <laughs> and an icy, 
<laughs> yeah, and I so try we'll, to drink the icy with a Twizzler. Never quite works. <laughs> it doesn't, right? It's just too small. I always uh, want it to work. You know, like it seems perfect. They should make straw Twizzlers just for the movies. They should. Uh oh. That's one way to get rid of the plastic straws. Is this, out of uh, is this an idea? I think Yannis, so. are, are you in? Do you got I, some? Uh, I think we're we're down. Twizzler straws. Have uh, you just like come into like a like a little financial windfall recently, yeah. and you're yeah. looking for something to invest in? Because I got an idea for you. It sounds like it. It sounds Candy like Andy straw for the movie theater. Well, they're already doing like what is it? Corn something straw, like all the sustainable ones. So like, <laughs> might as well make them edible. It just ends up mushy. Thing. I hate yeah, that thing. I yeah, I know. It's, it's I know. awful. Ugh. The things we do for their ocean life, I guess. The things we do for the animal kingdom. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Crooked Table is is very uh, concerned with the animal welfare. Just to oh, throw that out there. So is uh, Screen Screen. <laughs> no, I don't want to get spay any. Spay and like, your pets. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to get any angry tweets or anything yeah. about that. Cut um, all your six pack plastic. <laughs> oh God. Um, so this episode, we are talking about uh, Starman from 1984. And I guess before we get into the movie itself, mm-hmm. what, where do you, you know, you kind of alluded to this movie's very specific place in John Carpenter's filmography. And that was one of the things that I noticed. Like I had actually forgotten that Carpenter had directed this movie. So yeah. when I saw his name up front, I was like, that's random. You were like, uh, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, speak to where you where you feel Starman fits within his filmography of Halloween and the Fog and all these horror and uh, oh okay you know, very very different well, genre films. Yeah, let me just that's a big ask, and I am up to the task. So this movie is kind of it's Carpenter's it it was Carpenter's escape from the genre that he started. They, you know, they talk about like the golden age of horror and the golden age of horror, uh, they say, uh, starts at 78 and ends at 84. 84 is exactly when this movie comes out. And this is also when Carpenter departs and makes a sci-fi romance. He, you know, it started in 1978 with his movie Halloween. Uh, there were other slasher movies, but before that, um, of course, there was like uh, Black Christmas and there was stuff after like Child's Play. But uh, Halloween is seen as kind of the beginning of that golden age mm-hmm. of slasher films. Now, by the time 1984 rolls around, Carpenter has had a couple duds. Uh, he's made a bunch of he made a bunch of successful slashers. So he did Halloween and he did The Fog. And uh, I think I Starman was coming after the thing, which now is a yeah, classic. So, but yeah, then Starman was came a, after the thing, yeah, which then, was yeah, which was a, a dud. And he was actually afraid after the thing that his career might be finished. I mean, it was um, it was a it was a financial failure, um, and he actually attributes some of that to the fact that he had made a very a pessimistic movie. Uh, it was like relentlessly pessimistic. Uh, and, and now you're looking at this, he'd see his next movie out here. He's like, he's going to take this movie Starman that has been you know, passed on by all kinds of people. Uh, it's um, being produced by Michael Douglas, the actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he bought this thing like five years previous. Um and it had been 
a lot of different directors had looked at it. Um, and a lot of different writers had touched it uh, as well. And including like the writer of like Dirty Harry. <laughs> it's just, it's had uh, so many hands on it and so many directors had touched it and walked away from it. Actually, so some, something else about this movie is um, uh, it was at uh, Columbia Pictures and it was, it was purchased by um, uh, Mike, Michael Douglas and brought to Columbia Pictures at the same time as Steven Spielberg wanted to make a movie uh, called uh, Dark Skies. Uh, Dark mm-hmm. Skies or Night Skies? Night, I Night really Skies, remember. I think. Night yeah. Skies. You wanted to make Night Skies, which was uh, an alien movie, like an alien invasion movie, but it was like kid kid friendly. And that'll the, never work. The head of Columbia <laughs> was like, "Yeah, I don't want to make this kid friendly alien movie. Let's concentrate on Starman." And uh, of course, uh, Steven Spielberg brings ET to Universal, and the rest is history. ET becomes the biggest film at the time of all time but th- so we've got the uh, starman this like like tossed aside stepchild to et and of course like i said it's been passed on by all of these people and you know john carpenter he sees it as uh, a way to prove that he can do something else that he doesn't always have to make like um what people might call um either slasher movies or because sometimes he wasn't always making slash movies, but um, uh, exploitation films. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to show that he wasn't just going to do uh, exploitation films, which is a you know a a moniker that's that's earned. He uh, right out of the gate, his first film that he directed got an X rating because that was uh, Assault on Precinct Thirteen, um, of course, because he showed the murder of a little girl. Um, which got him uh, an X rating. But uh, so, you know, no stranger to those kind of um, labels. Um, but so he, so here he is, he's going to do something else, going to do something a little bit more commercial. Um, and it's going to be a sci-fi road trip uh, romance uh, comedy. He actually saw it as a comedy, a la like Frank Capra, he saw this as like a road trip romance comedy. And when you watch the movie, it, it definitely has shades of that, of course, with a sci-fi bent. Um, because, of course, Jeff Bridges is is an alien. So, um, But it is a very sweet uh, love story. Um, unfortunately for him, this turn into uh, something else uh, was, um, while it was critically well-received, well, it was received okay. People who loved sci-fi and kind of like the Carpenter aesthetic did not like it. They thought it was uh, derivative. They thought it was uh, kind of corny, cheesy. Mm-hmm. They thought the special effects were bad. Even though he hired guys from Industrial Light and Magic to do the best, like the best special effects guys, period, including Rick Baker. Um, he, uh, Rick Baker worked on the movie. Uh, those guys, for the most part, worked on the, um, the transformation scene in the very beginning uh, when he became, when he went from uh, alien sphere to baby to adult Jeff Bridges. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so they all were nasty about the movie. They didn't think he put the, their effects in the, in the right light. And they thought maybe that they were kind of uh, misled about the budget the movie was going to have. And it, it came out against uh, Dune and it came out against uh, 2010, the sequel to 2001 and 2001 came in, 2010 came in first, Dune came in second and 
Starman was somewhere um, below that. It was not a not a hit. Um, yeah, it's in 1984 was a very sci-fi heavy year. I think you know you mentioned mm-hmm. ET, which I, I'm watching this. I was struck by, oh, this is very E.T. influenced. And then to come to realize, oh, no, they were floating around the same time. And then some mm-hmm. executive put their chips on the wrong on the wrong script, yeah. I guess. Yeah, uh, exactly. And then just, you know, that movie came out. And then every studio in town was, what we have a sci-fi script. Fast track that. Get it out. And they all, mm-hmm. they all hit theaters in 1984, apparently, yeah. including yeah. Starman. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's, it, it is an interesting change of pace for Carpenter. And, you know, before we get too deep into the movie, uh, I wanted to also ask, I go, I guess we'll, we'll let's, tr- let's get into the movie since we're kind of already talking about it. Sure. And then I want to hear about first, you know, your, your experience watching it and all that. So uh, let's listen to a little bit of the trailer for Starman from 1984 right now. Get ready. Someone is coming. Someone like no one she has ever known before. Can you clone a living organism from the hair of a dead man? We're hypothesizing a technology that's probably 100,000 years ahead of us. He has powers we cannot imagine, and the face and touch of the man she loved. I said greetings. What's the matter with you? That was a little bit of the trailer for Starman from 1984, directed by John Carpenter, as we said. So, JC, what is, you know, when I, when I said I wanted to have you on the show, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the lady one was on. So I was like, I got to complete the set. I got to get, uh, I got to yeah. get JC on next. And you're like, uh, why is he picking this thing? No, well, we'll get to that in a second. So what is it about Starman that made you want to pick it? Like, what is your experience with this movie? As somebody who grew up on, you know, renting movies, HBO back in the day. You know, the thing would come down <laughs> over the little model of the city. Uh-huh. It would fly over the little town, go over the mountain, up into space, and then you'd go into the HBO logo, and it would say, feature presentation. You'd be like, yay, new movie, Saturday night. And you loved it, you know? Like, uh, yeah. just a kid of, of, of that uh, time period. And then, of course, um, going to... I actually went to college to go to film school, ended up not getting in, but worked with all of my film school friends. And then I ended up going to LA and I did end up working on films and uh, TV shows in production, <clears throat> in a production role. You know, uh, I've just continued on. I, I, I started my first film podcast uh, back in 2008. So I've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's like asking somebody... Uh, it's not like asking like my aunt what her favorite movie is. And she's like, dirty dancing. It's, you know, <laughs> like, like immediate reaction for me. It's like, wow, what a question. Like I have to sit back and be like, you know, what the heck am I going to talk about? Right. Like, what can I talk about at length? And I just thought to myself, well, lately I've been catching up on my John Carpenter. Like I watched Assault on Precinct 13. I watched The Fog again. Um, I watched They Live. Yeah, I've just been like 
going back and watching some of this stuff because I, lately, I don't know, like the pandemic has me looking for comfort food, mm-hmm. in the, like visual comfort food. And for me, those kind of films are, are that visual comfort food. I mean, I mean, John Carpenter movies are a little odd, but uh, well, but, as you as you said, not this one. This one is the more yes, positive this, of, of yeah. his bunch. Yeah, but this is his this is his sweet uh, uh, mainstream movie, you know. And of and of course, after this, he would uh, after this he would make Big Trouble in Little China, which was going to be another flop. And like the guy just, uh, he, the guy just is never had the same success as he did with those first couple flash slasher movies, uh, Halloween, the fog, uh, escape from New York. He actually made in there as well, Yeah, but, um, he never had that same kind of, uh, success. He just kind of struggled. Uh, but then of course his, uh, aesthetic became one of the defining aesthetics of an entire decade. This particular movie, so I, I, had, I had already been going through a, a Carpenter thing. And Starman, I remember seeing when I was a kid. I remember renting it. I remember the cover. I remember, you know, uh, you know, grabbing that VHS and going home and popping it open and watching it. And I remember, even though it's not geared for kids, like it's not a kid's movie, uh, but there's nothing in it that's bad either. Like, right. There's nothing in it that probably a kid can't watch. The alien was like this big child. Like he kind of has to learn how to be a human being. And it is this kind of interesting romance. And as I got older, it's funny because when I was a little kid, it's like, oh, look at the interesting alien man. Um, and as I get older, I'm like, oh, look at this, look at this interesting sci-fi film. And now that I'm a little older, I'm like, look at this outstanding romance film. It just kind of like has evolved for me over over time from alien, you know, a goofy alien to uh, some serious sci-fi to uh, romance. I, I consider this film probably one of the great romances of the 80s. I think that Karen Allen and Jeff Bridges have genuine, you can feel it in their performance and everything that I've read about them, they genuinely enjoyed each other genuinely had chemistry and have nothing but good things to say about working together. Um, they even, they even recorded a song together for this movie. They did a, a music video, uh, while they were filming this, they would actually sing together, uh, when they weren't, um, doing scenes. So it's, uh, all of that stuff comes across on a screen and, uh, just, I come back to this movie a lot. It's one of those movies that I watch multiple times a year. I, I, I own it. And it's one of those movies where when I don't know what to watch on Sunday before work or some, or, you know, before the work week starts, uh, every month or so I can pop this movie in and I absolutely enjoy it. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I, it's, it's crazy looking at Carpenter's career, uh, because I, I feel like so few filmmakers have that many, misfires and then end up having still still achieving that legend status that he has. And I'm actually glad that you picked this one because I feel like of, you know, his like hollow uh, or assault from precinct 13, like uh, through, let's say, I don't know, they live or or thereabouts. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is the one that's least talked about. 
Yeah. Uh, and it just kind of got, gets lost in the shuffle amidst all those other, I guess, you know, seemingly, you know, more fun or more, more thrilling or whatever uh, releases. And my experience with this movie is that I actually today watched this for the first time. What? I had never seen Starman before. No uh, way. Okay, okay, so just just the cover art or just the right. the poster they show, what was the first thing that you thought of? So I I was aware of this movie as a kid. Uh I knew it it existed. Uh and I think I've probably it's funny that you mentioned like Sunday afternoon, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was on TV occasionally yeah. and I would flip by it and be like, I don't know, this seems sort of like quiet or whatever. Like it didn't appeal to me as a kid mm-hmm. just because yeah. it, it it is very um not quite it's the wrong word it's very like sort of ethereal and sort of uh reflective in a way mm-hmm. for a movie you know for someone like me growing up and watching like roger rabbit and shit like that yeah uh so it's not anything that i ever sat down and watched so when i started it i knew that the you know jeff bridges and karen allen were in it. i knew it was an alien i didn't know that he was taking the form of her dead husband yeah until right? i started it's, the movie and then i was like whoa yeah. wait that's it's, him in the it's heavy in the it's, it's pretty heavy right yeah. And so all of that took me by surprise. I had just the very barest semblance of what the movie was. And I was actually pleasantly surprised. Like I, I went in and I was like, okay, Starman, I, I'm familiar with that sort of, we'll see that. That'll probably be an interesting movie. And then after watching, I was like, that was kind of awesome. Uh, oh, really? Like it, it, by the end, like there's a scene and you know, we'll have, we have a lot more to cover, but right. there's a moment uh, where Sherman, played by Charles Martin Smith, who I mm-hmm. knew from American Graffiti, and then he went on to direct yeah. Air Bud and Dolphin Tail and things like that randomly. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, where he has a really great arc that I love, but he says to uh, to Starman, yeah. he, he says, you know, you, in uh, the diner. Or, yeah, yeah, in the diner. And Starman says to him, Do you want me to tell you uh-huh. what I find most beautiful about your species? And he says, Yes. And he says, He says, You're at your very best when things are worse. And I kind of got a little emotional, especially. You know, yeah. right now in yeah. the middle of everything politically and with the pandemic and everything. Yes, right. So I was just like, wow, that's kind of profound for this movie that I just saw as sort of a, a romantic drama version of E.T. at first. Uh, so I was yeah. really I was really kind of taken aback by how how good it was uh, just because I uh, seeing Carpenter's name up front. I didn't really know what to expect. Yeah, this movie gets me many times, and and not only is it the story, but you want want to hear another thing unique about this movie is it's 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 one of the few movies that Carpenter didn't score himself. Mm-hmm. But if you would have asked me if he did score it, I would say yeah, because it has like that it's that Carpenter esque synth score, right? But it's not him. Um, here it is, uh, Jack uh, uh, Nietzsche, uh, Nietzsche, Nietzsche. Uh, received a Golden Globe uh, nomination for this this movie, and I love the score. I mean, yeah. when uh, there are just scenes where so, it just makes it. It's so good, and uh, you know, he uh, just the movie as as a whole is so good from the score to the acting. Uh, I get uh, feels so much in this, even even in the very beginning, just just Karen Allen looking at old. Um, you know, old footage of her husband and she's, she's drinking wine and she's like, you know, why are you doing this to yourself? Just all that stuff. It's so heavy and just gets, you're so the, 
why this movie is as successful as it is is it puts it 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 puts character first mm-hmm. and that's why this is such a, a success um i know that jeff bridges um was nominated for an academy award for best actor for this movie and only time any film by john carpenter has received an academy award nom which is which is crazy pretty sad which is absolutely crazy and sad. Um, but yeah, I mean, and uh, what's interesting about his performance too, and I think why it, why they get to you so much emotionally is uh, I just think Karen Allen has always had uh, kind of an innocence to her, even a tough yet also at the same time, very uh, vulnerable. And she was, she was like that when she played, you know, um, Mary and Ravenwood in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. But uh, here she really shines. And uh, I know that uh, director John Carpenter had uh, uh, run into her when he was in New York for some reason and knew right away that she needed to be Jenny Hayden. And she was cast first. Uh, Then it was a matter of finding his uh, star man. Um, I could see that because Scott, Scott Hayden. Yeah, I could, I could see that because I think uh, Karen Allen, we actually, I actually recently recorded an episode on Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, so you do see the, that quality that she brings to, the, the, to that film as well, as you mentioned. But there's just something very naturalistic about her. I feel like I, yeah. her performance has to carry this movie. Like if you don't believe her emotional arc, if you don't believe her reactions yep. to the Starman, this all falls apart. And Jeff Bridges yeah. is great in the movie, but of course he gets the Oscar nomination over her, I think because his performance is a little more, it's a little more showy. It's a little more. Yeah. Well, um, you, you also have yeah. to believe he has to be believable enough to make it, plausible Mm -hmm. that she might actually be able to fall in love with him. Right. And I think that's where Jeff Bridges also kind of brings that same thing to the table. I feel like Bridges has like a, like an innocent quality to himself as well. And, you know, he actually, he based his performance because the things he bases his performance on are things that you probably should not fall uh, in love with. Like he based his head movement movements off of birds. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's why he's, and if you watch the movie again with that knowledge, you see him, his head moves the entire time, just like a bird would up, down, side, you know, constantly just looking, looking at everything, but with very deliberate head, head movements and his body movement. um, He had a dancer friend who he thought had this like very interesting way that he moved like an almost alien way that he moved. And he had this dancer kind of show him how to move his, his body in this strange way. So he's, his body is odd. Um, His head movements are strange yet still somehow at the end of this movie, you're sitting there uh, emotional about these, these two people. According to my research, some of the other people up for this were like Kevin Bacon and uh-huh. Tom, Cruise. Tom Cruise. And it's like, I don't know how, if I don't, so much, if you don't have the right people, this could all mm-hmm. come off really weird, I guess is the best <laughs> way. Cause yeah. she, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's an alien who, who looked to me like uh, Eve from Wally initially, kind uh-huh. of like a glowing sphere yeah. type deal. Uh, we don't really get a, a, 
like straight up good look at the true form of the aliens. Uh, uh, they just carry around the little metal no. stress ball things. Yeah, um, they have their ball. Yeah, so, they, have, they have balls. Yeah. You know that. So. Like 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 insert like jiggle your balls joke. Right <laughs> here, you know, put your balls in your hand joke. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So basically, yeah. he's always carrying around these like yeah these little like alien balls that apparently he can manipulate to do almost whatever, whatever he wants. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're just his connection to yeah, whatever his power civilization. That, yeah, that, yeah, and he has whatever a finite number of them as well. They sort of mm-hmm. establish that up front, uh, yeah. but it comes down, turns into uh, turns into her husband, her deceased husband. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, you mentioned the tra- I thought the transformation scene was really cool. Actually, me too. Me it's too. Kind, yeah, and, and yeah, go ahead. It's just uh, the fact that some of it is. Uh, you know why? Because it's it's that it's very indicative of just like that eighties body horror, right. like that uh, the American Werewolf in London, right? Which is what I loved about it. Of trans, yes, yeah. So it's got that like, you know why? Because there's something about practical effects, even when they're just done okay, or even yeah. when they're good. So let's just say this: if they're not great, if practical effects are just good, they still hit you somewhere that like CGI doesn't, and it just. Right or it, it doesn't yet. So that's why I'm, I'm watching this and you, you're watching like skin stretch and heads stretch and move. And, you know, you, you can almost see the like mechanisms working behind, behind the scenes. Oh, hydraulic head moving and fake skin bubbling, but it still hits you in a very visceral way because it's, it's practical. And I think that, some of those moments, the transformation scene, the the uh, the emerging from the fire when he's carrying mm-hmm. her, uh, is you sort of get some of the iconography and some of the style that Carpenter brings to it. Where it, mm-hmm. in, in moments it does sort of have elements of horror, like you yes. said, body horror and and mm-hmm. and moments of menace. Where she's you know for the first half of this movie she's trying to get away from him. Yes, yes, she's like where she doesn't know if she's going, if this thing's going to kill her. She is, she's like, okay, there's like, I love that right away. She goes, you're not Scott. Right. Like, I love that in the first, the moment she sees him, she's like Scott. And then almost immediately she's like, you're not Scott. So she, she knows that's not her husband right away. And I feel like a worse movie would have like, would have like teased it and made her, figure it out like halfway through and she's like, Oh my God, you're not my husband. You've been tricking me. Right. But it's, (laughs) it's so much more like believable that somebody would look at somebody that they were married to and, and, and loved. And was like, this is not, I just saw you grow from a baby to a man on the floor (laughs) and you are not, you are not, not you are, you look like my husband, but you are weird. And you're talking all these languages that you learned from the Voyager two space probe, you know, super uh, cool. Yeah. I like that too. The, how the movie begins with the Voyager two space, space probe. Uh, I, I, I looked at the, the wiki cause I was like, Oh, how many languages? Cause he says the languages and he says 54 in the movie. And on the Wikipedia, it says fifty-five. Yeah, that just one one of those languages. They were like, ah, that's that's just noises, right? It was like <laughs> binary or something. Uh, but but yeah, but knowing that they were going to do some uh, some PG chin kissing later in the on in the movie, which is basically <laughs> what the sex scene is. Yes, um, yes, the sex scene is like a little side boob and some chin kissing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, with his like. <laughs> 
yeah it's like um, that like uh, that like the uh, uh, you know the uh, prom night face right like <laughs> <laughs> Lonely Island, jizz in my pants, but like a, a, a more toned down version of that, essentially. <laughs> yeah, he's got that virginity face. Totally. Just, <laughs> um, just, wow. But knowing that it was headed there and, you know, seeing the alien come into her home and scan, watch the video and like do the voice scan and all that yeah. stuff. I was like, oh no, don't tell me she's going to like sleep with this thing thinking it's her husband. And then right. when she realized immediately when she saw the man baby on the floor, yes, uh, like writhing around and, and growing into Jeff Bridges before her yeah. very eyes, I was like, okay, first, first awkward hurdle avoided. Good job movie. Yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, it, yes. I mean, it, 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 it very cheaply could have snuck in some like, uh, very inappropriate sex scene. Right. But it stayed away from that, which I'm glad. Which yeah. I'm glad it did. Yeah. The alien doesn't get some immediately and they'd be like, fooled you <laughs> from <laughs> yeah. space. Yeah. Um, so that was the first thing. And then secondly, he doesn't like, <laughs> he doesn't like finish and then like, uh, smoke comes out of his ears or some his head or his <laughs> head spins around or something. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um so that's the first one. Secondly, um she he more or less kidnaps her. Not really, yeah. but kind of. Uh, uh I, I think he he does. Like he definitely is like he, he's got the gun on but it's her, not so. but it's not under he makes it clear that he's not gonna hurt her. Like that's why he chose that form. Yeah. And, yep. and all that. And, um yeah. and then and then of course she's still like, I need to escape this guy and yeah. makes multiple attempts to get away. So knowing that that again the romance was still ahead, I was like, well, is this gonna end up being some kind of weird Beauty and the Beast esque, like you know, he's abusive to her or like yeah. kidnapping her, and then she falls for him because she's victimized. And the movie subverts that too. Yeah. Uh, like midway through, they, they're popping in and out of. They go to like four diners in this movie. Um, <laughs> they, well, you know, <laughs> this, this is probably like the first time that a movie is like realistically showing how many times you would stop to eat and <laughs> yeah. how probably nothing happens in in the car. And most of your action on a long road trip is when you stop at the gas station. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of rest stops and diners yeah. with uh, apple pie and cherry cobbler and mm-hmm. all that good stuff, which made me hungry it's watching terrific. the movie, actually. Yeah, it's <laughs> terrific. Um, but then then the, the moment with the deer happens, and that's how the movie yeah. starts to turn yes. there. Uh, and they they set that up earlier in the movie um, when, she's, uh, when he's watching the uh, home movies. Mm-hmm. There's a moment where she is showing compassion to a raccoon right yeah and so they set up that like love of you know she loves um you know um she loves all beings she loves you know uh animals and she's uh, a, a compassionate person so and she obviously thinks those hunters are quote-unquote bozos <laughs> so you know yes that moment is where she sees that he is a you know maybe he is a compassionate being uh maybe he is not just a cold uh alien uh, kidnapper which he's kind of been he's just kind of been like a weird child learning you know learning the rules of the planet mm-hmm. and uh that's where he actually shows probably a bit of his first kind of human traits like uh, com- compassion so and watching that, it that's where it starts to turn 
Yeah, watching it For now, sure. I, I noticed how much this... It feels like James Cameron cribbed a lot of Terminator 2 from this movie, in a way. Just <laughs> the way that he, he learned, he's learning to be yeah. human, yeah. you know, define love, and then he, like, smokes and reacts to that, and he's, like, yeah. learning the, the lingo and, yeah. and the facial expressions. Oh, yeah, like, because there's it, it the scene... It very hasta la vista, baby, kind of Yeah, thing. because there's that scene where he's, he's learning, where the guy goes, he goes, take it easy. And the guy yeah. goes up yours, and he <laughs> associates that as like the natural follow up to take it easy. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, which also comes back in the movie. Exactly, take it easy, up yours. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it does. There's like a little bit of that. Man, Terminator Two's ripping off Starman. Right, we're calling it on the Crooked Table Man, podcast. You heard it here first. Two, nothing but a rip off. <laughs> Cameron's a hack. Well, I mean, his uh, avatar is is essentially Fern Gully with dances with wolves. Oh my Pocahontas goodness! And stuff. So, I mean, that that's not yes, new information. He is terrible. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, so uh, that was the the second issue, and then not mm-hmm. or potential issue that the movie expertly navigates around. Yep. Then thirdly, when they finally do have sex, and he's like, "I put a baby in you," I'm like, "Whoa, whoa!" <laughs> Hashtag, <laughs> where's the consent? Uh, kind of thing. It almost feels like kind of that situation. Uh-huh. But then it, again, the movie circumvents that by t- he, he immediately tells her, I have something to tell you. This is what yes. happened. He's like, Oh, I wouldn't wear a rubber, that kind of thing. It's one of those moments almost. Right. I mean, it was <laughs> the eighties. <laughs> right. It's true. That's true. And, uh, rubbers it, are for sailors. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, this reminds me of Austin Powers. He's like, uh, they should just filthy beggars. They go from port to port, which at some point I'm going to have to talk about it in this podcast. Mm. Um, but it feels like another uh, another potential mine that the movie s- skirts right past. Where then she's like, he's like, if you don't if you don't want it, I can take it away. Yeah, uh, it's going to be your husband's. She, she you know, they, they established earlier yep. in the movie that she couldn't have a baby with Scott. That's clearly that's something that they wanted. So she gets this baby that's part Starman, part her, part Scott, sort yeah. of. Yeah, uh, and and. It just it go it. I don't know. It makes it. It handles it that moment very delicately in a way that you're fine with. Watch, you know, being yeah. on board with these characters as opposed to something that could feel in a way icky. Especially as you mentioned, how Starman kind of has the mind of a child, so it almost goes yeah. back to like the big thing where you're like, yeah, right. Elizabeth Perkins just had right. sex with like a 13 year old. So <laughs> yes, I don't know about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And like, she doesn't get it. Like, he's like, come over and jump on my trampoline in my apartment. <laughs> I uh, like, I get the top bunk. Here's some pajamas. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So I yeah, was yeah. impressed with, <laughs> with right. how, how well this movie handled the love story. And, it, and it's yeah. a true, you know, it's a true two-hander between the two of them. Uh, and just how much, how much that chemistry carries things. Yeah. And then, you know, the more uh, conventional, I guess, E.T.-esque analog of like the government is evil, oh, which, yeah. you know, is nothing new nowadays, obviously, either. Yeah. But the government well, is uh, evil. And, go like, ahead. Go ahead. Apparently there were there was more um, uh, political uh, type uh, material in this movie. He uh, the writer just kind of like uh, like obliged uh, Carpenter. Uh, by removing the film's like uh, heavy uh, political uh, material, he also wanted them to take out uh, a scene where um, Jeff Bridges's character is complete by getting cloned genitals. But uh, so they took that. 
We took that out as well. Uh, it was probably some scene where he was going to look down and give the camera a wink, I'm sure. Oh boy. Yeah, good, good cut there. Yeah. But yeah, so some of those like, some of the, um, and I'm sure those, the, the, the political stuff had to do with, you know, with the government at the time. I, I think know. it functions better without it. Uh, not that yeah. that would, that, that can't be interesting, but it also, that doesn't really feel like what the movie is, is interested in. It doesn't feel like that's what the, the yeah. movie cares about that. Kind. Like, you know, I, I, we mentioned, we mentioned Charles Martin Smith and I think his, I think Sherman is an interesting character the way he evolves from, Oh, we're going to get this alien to, yeah, let's, I'm going to help him get out of here and, and, you know, get myself in trouble with, with the government, with the, what is it? George Fox or whatever, um, blow smoke in his face and, and kind of get one up on, on my superiors. Yeah. Let the alien escape. Like I love that arc, but <laughs> the, that would have made the movie feel, in my opinion, really self-serious and really kind of bogged it down. Like I like that we yeah. don't get that much of that. Uh, yeah. You need you need it there to to add a sense of urgency and you yes. know to have that chase element uh, of the of the story and keep them moving from diner to diner I guess um, <laughs> <laughs> but but I I think it's way more interested in it's it's a very humanistic movie uh, as far as like the the beauty within people themselves and it's about in my opinion about him kind of teaching her what it means to be human because the way we see it, she's basically disconnected from everything. And yeah. so it feels much more of an, of an intimate, earnest story than the government's coming to get you, Starman. Can we get there in time? Like, it's not yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. It's just high-paced and high-concept enough to uh, have a good hook. And then it's just subtle enough and just, like, pleasing enough to keep you... Well, you know, in a watching because it it is a simple, you know, love, you know, love story with a with a pursuit, you know, going on. Um, it's also got its share of like I think really like nothing in the movie makes me go ah, ah, ah and I you know fall over laughing. Right. But uh, so many of the so many lines in the movie I think are very like humorous, and I can remember quoting them when I was a kid to to friends and things. You know, like uh, the famous scene where. He says, you know, green light, uh, red light, stop, green light, go, <laughs> yellow, go very fast. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, when he says that he watched her, or, uh, I can remember me and my, my sister used to say, what is kid napid? You know, we used to say that to each other <laughs> and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, we used to you know, act like weird aliens and stuff, but, uh, <laughs> you know, there's those lines where there's a line where the guy punches him and he says, bingo and spits. And then of course, Starman hits him back and says, bingo, and it spits. <laughs> um, and then there's just the really cute stuff like, uh, it's, it's just such a great, I, I'm really surprised how good the screenplay is for how many people touched it. Mm -hmm. Like, I just feel like it went through so many directors and so many different writers. And just to end up with this pared down, simple movie, I think is amazing. And uh, I mean, it even's got you know, you have a couple, you know, light moments like when they when they end up in in Vegas. I love that. And and he can control the slot machines, and it's so funny because he does the one, and then she's like, uh, "Yes, so uh, you should really be careful, and you should uh, spread it around. These people kind of get." And then, boo, he's <laughs> set off the five hundred thousand uh, dollar. Uh, 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 what you call it, a slot machine, and he's won. And then in the very next scene, because they're gambling anyway, because they need enough money to get to the 
the crater. He's just buying a new like Cadillac <laughs> to get to the crater. Yeah. And it's just, uh, just, I just love that scene. It's such a great scene. I just, I just think that this, the screenplay is so great. And I think that the simplified story just make this a classic. There was a lot of ways they could have, they could have mucked that up too. Like not only with the government thing, but also just with explaining his alien species, his, his civilization, mm-hmm. what he's doing here. Like they, it, it's, it's Sherman, I think hypothesizes that he's like more of a, like an anthropologist kind of studying mm-hmm. our species, but I, we don't even get that much detail into that. It's just, he's here, you know, deal with it kind of thing. And I, I like that they don't even answer the, the little, the little, bo- they don't answer what Jeff Bridges balls do in this movie, other no, than give no, her a baby, no, I guess. They don't, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, uh, Charles Martin Smith's character uh, says a lot of the lines. Um, he's kind of the the only one asking the the questions. Like, there is the part where he says something like, "You know, what happens when the." Uh, colonists meet the natives or whatever you know the or the the cannibals they they eat you know oh that's what the cannibal said before they ate the colonists or whatever and mm-hmm. then he's like well in this case you know who's the colonist and who's the the cannibal like he's he's the one who's asking those questions uh whereas the government people of course they're first you know they're those kind of like you know uh, shoot first nuke them type 80s government people exactly yeah yeah so even in that way it's in it's the movie feels ahead of its time and having that perspective represented too uh one question like related to the tech the alien technology in your mind what what does the baby know to do with that last uh silver marble ball thing i don't know but we can probably consult the starman tv show that came out after the movie yeah, is that a continuation of this? Yes. Or it, it so is. It's oh, a continuation. Wow. I was takes, gonna. I had notes yeah. of that because I was like, there was a yeah, TV show. Interesting. There was. It takes place years later, and his oh, father wow. comes exactly. down, and of course, takes the body of another dead person. I think in this case, he takes place of like a dead pilot, and then he goes and finds his son, and they have to go find the missing Jenny Hayden. That's kind of the the plot of it. Wow, but I haven't watched enough of it to know if if uh, he's used his if he, if he's um, you know played with the balls that um, played with the <laughs> if ball his teenage son played with his balls. His teenage uh, son wow. his balls or not? Yeah, getting awkward. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. what we do here. Uh, you know, and he, he he plays with them and they turn blue. That's what. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> essentially, just like in the movie. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, it's. It's also this movie coming out just a couple of years after Mork and Mindy feels like it has some kind of that vi- energy too. Like it could have, they could have gone so much with the fish out of water stuff that it then yeah. just became ridiculous. And it felt, and it would have yeah. felt more like Mork and Mindy, you know? Yeah. Like John Carpenter keeps this movie right in his like wheelhouse. He's, he's not, he's, he's not trying to make anything wacky because that's not his, his thing. You know, his thing is kind of tough humor and, uh, you know, his, he comes from a world of, you know, like, uh, shock value and tough antiheroes and things like, uh, like, like that. He's not, I'm glad that he, he didn't, he didn't go in and try to make a hard comedy. You know what? But the thing is, is this is to him, 
he was making a road trip comedy. Mm-hmm. So that should tell you about the mind of John Carpenter. I don't think there's a lot of silly stuff going on up there. Because <laughs> 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 this movie definitely has humor. It's got humor and heart, you know. Uh, but, you know, it's by no means goofy or silly. There, there's no moment where you suddenly go, oh, what's this wacky, like like unbelievable wacky thing that just happened like there's there's none of that in this it it you know instead of like you know devolving in something too too light or silly you know yeah yeah it's the the, the kind of the the extent of it is he doesn't know that dessert comes after your meal whoa, yeah, whoa. <laughs> yeah. he's eating his pie first what <laughs> what uh, a card yeah he's exactly. crazy what a dumb alien <laughs> Um, he's he's looking at the guy in the bathroom's penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they had dumb. they did have that joke that 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 did not age particularly well. Uh, the guy no, in the bathroom goes, is like, oh, they're uh, everywhere or something. No, like he says every goddamn place you go. <laughs> That's uh, what he said. Like yeah. it wasn't as bad as they're everywhere. It, it was pretty close. It was but that was the implication. But yeah, say it's the PG version of that. Every goddamn place you go. But that's also where he <laughs> learns up yours. So hey, it's true. Worth it. <laughs> it's necessary. The, necessary the evil. Was necessary for the plot. Yeah. Right. But exactly. also to his credit, Starman was staring at his penis. And that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I don't think I'd like Jeff Bridges creeping up on me in the no. In the if he came over with his like, like What's bird bird head movements, you know, looking at your dong in a, in a <laughs> taking notes. in a in a gas station restaurant, <laughs> probably be like, whoa, 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 hey, buddy, eyes up here, my eyes, eyes buy me, up buy me here. some, uh, buy me some apple pie first, at least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> buy me some apple pie first. That's so funny. Uh, it's terrific. He- <laughs> Um, he does say at one point, somebody asked him, uh, what's your line? Like, what do you do basically? And he does say map maker. I make maps. I make maps. Yeah. I guess, is that his job in his civilization? Because he, he see, he has that like, uh, very eighties display of a map uh, that he does in the car. He does, which I thought was interesting. Cause I I was like, I wonder if the Voyager two has a map of the U S because, that's what he pulls up. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's a map of the U.S. with all the state boundaries and everything. All right. So yeah, I thought that was maybe that's his role. States as uh, you know, um, political entities. That's uh, true. So okay, uh, but uh, yeah, and he's like right here, uh, Arizona or whatever or wherever they go. But uh, yeah, apparently he just says he makes map. Who knows? Maybe that's uh, yeah, maybe up in his. Uh, Maybe that's why they sent him down there for his uh, uh, re- recon. Because at, at the very beginning, he says that you know, of course, you, you know, they scatter jets to like shoot at him. So his his craft ends up crashing. But he says that his 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 observation crash craft mm-hmm. has crashed. So who knows? Maybe he's there to scout things out and you know map some stuff. I like, yeah, but again, I like that they don't clarify any of that really no. we're just like he's they just checking things out and he got crashed you know, and now he's yeah. discovering humanity you know because it's probably too weird i mean he, he even says like if he's in the plant if he's down there too long he's gonna die like he mm-hmm. only he only has three days there and then at the very end she's like take me with you and he's like you can't you'll you'll die and then there's like that line oh my god this i'm getting so old like in my old it like i used to be such a tough dude, like no crying, no nothing. And now I swear to God, I start bawling 
at every move. I, I has has this started happening to you yet? Like, about, do you uh, do you ball more at movies the older you get? I mean, I've always been really sensitive when it comes to <laughs> movies. Generally, I mean, honestly, but I mean, it has a lot more. You know, as you, you get you get older, and you, yes, you see your your, just like your see your parents get older. Like, and, I have I have man, a like daughter now. Like a little so everything harder. is different. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Oh so wait, well, what is yeah. the, where's the so, moment where, where it gets you? Oh, so at, at the moment when he's just like, you know, she's like, take, take me with you. And they're in that really cool, like red, red and white yes, I love that. light. So cool. It's so cool. Yeah. I love that so much. And, uh, I still have the whole scene and she's like, I don't care. Like she doesn't care if she'll die. And he's like, I do like, I, you know what I mean? Like just, uh, he's really has just, <sighs> They learn like he learns what she she says what love is because he asks her to explain it. She mm-hmm. goes, "It's when you care about someone else more than you care about yourself." So that's that's the whole thing going full circle. Like in this road trip with Jenny Hayden, he has he's he this alien has learned love, mm-hmm. and you know that's really powerful at the end. And, you know, and it's not overly done. Like he's, it's not like in like uh, a fifth element when she's like, I do not know love. And then, you know, she gets like a kiss and she suddenly knows love and she's like, I'm so powerful. Like it just, it's, you know, it's not <laughs> heavy handed like that. It's just, yeah. it's, you know, like you have to think about it. You're like, oh my God, he, he understands human love. You know what I mean? Like you have to, you know, he, he doesn't say, you know, that he, it's not, it's just not heavy handed like that. And that's like, um, again, it's this movie's like restraint that makes it so good. Yeah. It, it, it's just very matter of fact. And, um, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that the end sequence with the what is it was like some kind of snow situation happening or dust with the, with the spaceship spaceship in, in that, in, in the red light in that environment. And yeah, uh, you know, obviously Jenny dies or, or is, is like, oh, die is like dying. At one point she gets shot and yeah. he brings her back. And yep. uh, I don't even think she realizes that she was mortally wounded because she just wakes up and like, hmm, where did he go? Did, yeah, do you was, think what, she even her, knows? Did he change her shirt or so? Oh, was there, was there clothes in that half of a house? <laughs> Maybe. Cause that's, remember they end up in that, like that, like mobile house that like, yeah. like my, you know, some of my like relatives had back in the day the the double wide. I mean, if there, there was, I I actually even made a note like, why isn't Starman changing his clothes? Everybody's looking for <laughs> Jeff Bridges in that red plaid shirt. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, change your clothes. <laughs> that yeah. might help. You watch any movie where they're like, we're looking for a you know six foot tall Caucasian male, right? You know, about yeah. thirty five, wearing a red plaid shirt. First thing you do is change your shirt, and he was you know, just like, no, nope, like I'm they, rocking this. Look. I feel like they don't know at first that anyone's after them. Yeah, like okay. I'm I'm trying to remember when the first time that they realize they're being chased is i think i think it's when they're at the motel which is pretty late in the movie yeah yeah because oh, with the cops and they're like yeah. I think this is about to escalate to a life or death situation or whatever yeah oh yeah those st- stupid cops that are like gonna force the issue yeah exactly. and i just love too how uh you know that's just one of those moments too where the alien Starman is learning how good people uh, can be like those, that those like the like party goers are willing to make, like they don't know them, but those party 
rescuers are willing to like throw the vending machine down the stairs mm-hmm. to like d- like distract the cops so so they can get away. And he's just like seeing people helping people, you know. Of yeah. course, he also sees the bad side too with the <laughs> the hunters beat him up, but. <laughs> Well, those are, but they're bozos and jerks. Yes, so. they are. So bozos she, he, and jerks. he learns that distinction. Very important yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> nowadays. Uh, now, so, so he learns to be human again, very Terminator 2 esque. The mm-hmm. whole, uh, I, I, I understand now why you cry, but it's something I yeah. can never do, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she not only rediscovers, you know, reconnects with humanity, but it's in a large way also about her grief and her getting a sense of closure. Uh, and yeah. moving on, sort of re-entering the human race as yeah. he's discovering it for the first time. And I love yeah. that parallel that they both have their their equally important arcs, and they complement each other in such a perfect way. And uh, yeah, it's like she has, you know, you you see that she's lost her connection to. She just really is lost. She's you know doesn't have any. She's just watching old videos and just drinking alone and. You know, she just you you can tell that she's just so alone and is lacking any kind of like connection because probably you know the person that she was closest to was taken from her and you know at the end Starman gives her back a piece of that by giving her his child mm-hmm. you know so his you know, child she, she, and Scott's too right so she, just yeah. just like that uh, what is is isn't there a didn't didn't in China they made a kid that had three three parents? I was it yeah, China? I think so. That yeah. sounds like something yeah. that would happen. Star, that's that's Star Kid over there. <laughs> Star Kid. That's a that's a movie from the nineties, isn't it? <laughs> something like that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so kid. Uh, I don't have a whole lot else in my notes to cover. Uh, I yeah. did want to ask you that apparently mm-hmm. there was a Starman remake. Uh, announced a few years ago because yeah. of course there is as the right. as we're recording this the planes trains and automobiles pointless remake was just announced mm-hmm. i think yesterday and how do you feel about a starman remake i mean obviously it's not going to be the same do you think that there's a room for them to either either improve is the wrong word but to bring something to this concept or are you just like that's they're gonna screw it up like right out the gate well uh that remake um, I don't know. Has has anybody heard about it since like I it, like it, it's, four? I think four, it's five a few. Years it's ago, a few years ago. So if it's still yeah. happening, it maybe is bogged down in development. Whatever. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be uh, all uh, again produced by Michael Douglas, directed by uh, Sean Levy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Levy did uh, Night at the Museum. Yeah, so, so there you go. That's the so, level of filmmaking right, so here. That's why I'm like the museum guy. Not that guy's um, not going to do it. <laughs> right, and I think it was supposed to be very different than this one. Well, um, I wonder. I, I you know, of, oh, and yeah, I know that they were going to skew younger, so we're going to get like YA Starman. I guess. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, uh, I the uh, I know that Karen Allen and Jeff Bridges are in their early thirties when in 1984. So I don't know, maybe, maybe there's room to make them slightly younger, I guess, but yeah, um, I don't, I don't know who, you know, I mean, you know, these days, you know, you know what I'm down with it as long as it's, uh, 
uh, Kevin Hart and uh, uh, <laughs> Melissa McCarthy. There you go. Nice. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but you, but you gender swap it. So she's the star woman. Right. Yeah. She's because, star woman. I mean, yeah. and obviously, you know, I'm cool with uh, uh, all these, all the female led movies and all that stuff, but it does feel like they just lean on that when they don't have a better, any, any other ideas. And they're just like, let's just flip it. Well, that'll yeah. work. Right. So yeah. I, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me. If it, I just feel like a Starman remake, especially in the hands of someone who's less, uh, I don't know, distinctive than John Carpenter is just going to feel like exactly what we've said this movie avoids at every turn. Yeah. It's, it's going to have none of the, like none of the, you know, simplicity, none of the, uh, what was I saying? None of the uh, restraint, right. all that restraint is going to be gone once we get uh, night at the museum Starman. Yeah, Ben Stiller so, as Starman. Ben Stiller. <laughs> now we're going way older. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, um, I think, um, I don't think that uh, Jeff Bridges was happy about the remake from what I think I've read. Um, I don't think he was asked to participate. Whatever. It's kind of, you have to just like, I kind of hate that anyway, when, yeah. you know, he'll be like, uh, <laughs> the, the worst is when it's like, uh, in like, uh, Ghostbusters and Dan Aykroyd is a yep. cab driver. Yeah. You know, like, that's well, he like would, the worst. That's exactly when we said that, uh, that he would be, Jeff Bridges would be the guy who's like, so what do you do for a living? Like in the, yeah, I'm in his, maps. Yeah. <laughs> and Jeff Bridges has been locked into like that true, true grit zone for like a decade. So he just yeah. like, what are yeah. you doing around here? You're not yeah. around it's like all, all he can do is a uh, uh, mumble now. Yeah. That's his thing. And yeah. that, that yeah. kind of, M I mean, with mumble, crazy mumble. heart, that's what got him the Oscar, which is weird. Yeah. Yeah. When they were, <laughs> and he got that Oscar before they were like, Oh, that's all he does is mumble now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he did it in Crazy Heart. And then they were he's just like, oh, this works. I'm and then he like fell this. and he hit his head. And he's like, oh, <laughs> this is all I can do now is mumble is Crazy Heart. Oh. So, my, so, my, my mom always said not to make this face or it gets stuck. <laughs> so having that version of Jeff Bridges in my head, it was weird to go back and be like, wow, he was... He, he was much, much more nuanced as an actor once upon a time. Not yeah. to say he's a bad actor now, because he's still a great actor, but he's yeah. much more in that like Tommy Lee Jones curmudgeon zone these days, <laughs> which is uh, which is a bummer considering uh, how good he, he is in this movie and, and in some of yeah. his earlier work. But uh, is there anything about Starman we haven't covered that you wanted to make sure we mentioned before we start winding down? Wow. I don't know. I feel like we like... I mean, it, we left no stone unturned on this one, I think. Awesome. That's right? what I like no? to hear. Do, well, I, I mean, how, how do you think? Are you, you happy about the coverage of Starman here? I am, actually. And I, it's, it's, I, I love that I was, first of all, I wanted to say thank you for bringing this to the table because nice. I hadn't seen this movie before, like I mentioned, and I ended up kind of loving it, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like a, a, one of the most under definitely one of the most underrated movies we've covered on here yeah. uh, relative to how much people talk about it now mm -hmm. and how good it really is. Yeah. Uh, I think it's kind of insane that it, it's slipped among the ether of 1980s, I guess, 1984 sci-fi. Yeah. Let's put it that way because yeah. there is so much. I, about I, I, I love it. It's, it's in that, it's that oddball in, in, uh, in Carpenter's, you know, uh, library of movies. 
Yeah. So I definitely recommend people listening to this that haven't seen Starman, as I'm assuming a lot of them haven't seen it, just because Mm -hmm. it's also not available to stream readily anywhere. I mean, I rented it from Amazon because it wasn't on any of the like five streaming services I have. Yeah, because Uh, it's not a big Carpenter movie. It's not a big one. Yeah, And it seems like the Blu-ray is is out of print sort of at the moment on Amazon. Like I was just curious about it and I didn't even see Mm -hmm. that there. So like that makes this one even better because you have to go find it. Right. Exactly. And it's that one oddball movie. And I guarantee you that you'll watch it again. You just will. Like it's, you'll be in that mood where you're like, I'm in the Starman mood. It's also a testament, I think, to physical media too. I mean, there there was all these reports recently that Disney's not releasing 4K versions of all their, any other movies or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that was like debunked maybe, who knows, but I'm very much a physical media guy. So now I'm probably going to check and see if like the local used Blu-ray store around here has a copy just because I, I want to rewatch and show my wife. I didn't get a chance to watch it with her. And I was like, I think she would really enjoy it just because it is, it is uh, such a sweet movie and has such yeah. heart to it, uh, which I wasn't expecting again, being a kid growing up with it kind of around and not really having much active interest in watching it. I, yeah. I don't think I would have appreciated it at that age anyway. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, like I said, I was saying before, I just, I picked it up when I was a kid because it said alien. It had like some, some, some alien in it. And I was like, all right, aliens. I like those movies. Cause I'm, you know, eight. Yeah. And like, <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then it just, the movie just brings like, you'll get something different out of it. Uh, the older you get. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a movie that is uh, pretty timeless to, to be honest. Yeah, I, I agree. See? It's a classic in my house. Good job. Good job, JC. <laughs> Good Very choice. Welcome. Very so, welcome, Robert Yannis. <laughs> tell uh junior. tell people where uh oh, back to the junior thing. <laughs> Robert Yannis, Junior. Yes. <laughs> I know there's two of you. There there is. He's should be quiet. All right. Um I want to talk about Starman. Um, <laughs> don't hit me again. <laughs> no, God, don't don't make me sound like that guy. <laughs> um, uh, tell people where they can find you and, of course, ScreenFix on social media. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, again, you can find us at ScreenFixPod and, um, you know, anywhere that you find uh, podcasts, um, Spotify, Apple, all of these wonderful places. You can follow us on Twitter at ScreenFixPod. Uh, you can follow me. I'm JC ScreenFix. And yeah, that's where you can find us and listen, you know, give our podcast a, 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 a listen. We're usually getting up to something, getting up to something silly and uh, fixing movies. Uh, recently, we've done The Old Guard, which is the film that um, was big on Netflix. Charlize Theron is an immortal. And that is one we did with uh, Robert and of course, uh, we have over uh, we do have over a hundred episodes to check out. So there's plenty of stuff for you over at ScreenFix. Great, thank you so much, JC, for coming on the show. This was a lot of fun. We'll have to bring you back on at some point. To uh, so, I guess you start thinking about what you want to talk about next time now, so that you have oh. a lot of <laughs> so you have a lot of lot of room for contemplation and and kind of deliberate over over if you're making the best choice or whatever. Yeah, I, you know what's funny? Like if you would have asked me not during a like a like a a, a pandemic, like when I wasn't looking for like you know like 
cinematic comfort foods from when I was a kid, I would have done something completely different, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, I got to think, you know, you know, you know, whenever you would like me on again, I will, I'm sure something will be whatever mood I'll be in. I'm sure I'll be ready and, uh, don't be a stranger over at screen fix yourself. Oh, absolutely. Anytime you guys need me, I'd love to come on there and, and uh, fix some more slice movies. and dice. That's yeah, right. exactly. All right, JC. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon. You're welcome. If you're interested in joining me on the show to chat about one of your favorite films, head on over to crookedtable.com slash guest. Or you can consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash crookedtable. Of course, you can always find more podcasts, reviews, videos, and other movie-related goodies over at crookedtable.com. Until next time, this has been the Crooked Table Podcast, and I've been Rob. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. <laughs>